Here we go. Final seconds. Clutch is his name. Talking sports is his game. End zone. Touchdown with no time left. Pushing the limits. They win on the last play of the ball game. There are no limits. Are you kidding? Who can you count on to make the last throw or shot? Wow, and the game is over. Mikey Clutch. This is the final play. Unbelievable. We are back. We are back. Welcome in to the final play with Mikey Clutch. I am your host, Mikey Clutch. Week two in the books. Some two, two, two Monday night games uh, that we had last night. Both were, well, ended up close, at least in the Carolina game. That one was kind of over with, but they ended up making it uh, interesting towards the end. And then obviously the Pittsburgh and Cleveland game going down to the wire. Uh, it, we'll get into some of the weekend games. We'll I'll talk about obviously the Niners, the Bears, uh, some things I didn't like over the weekend, i.e. Chargers. Uh, you know the Ravens look good. Bengals. Joe Burrow re-aggravating that calf. Um, yeah, and then we'll kind of preview Thursday night football between the Niners and the Giants, and we'll get into potentially, potentially. Uh, I don't know. I just kind of want to give my bold prediction of the of the year, my biggest bold prediction of the year. We'll do that at the end of the show. Uh, but let's start with how about the Sunday games? Um, the, one of them that stood out was the Ravens at the Bengals division matchup. Joe Burrow reaggravating that calf. Uh, the, the Baltimore Ravens, although J.K. Dobbins out. Very much able to run the ball. That's never been a, a question mark about that offense. The, with the skill set that they have as far as their players and as far as Lamar Jackson, always going to be a great running team. Lamar had 54 yards rushing. Uh, he, he looked solid, and he's looked good all year. It, it, it's kind of what you expect from a, a Lamar so far this season. Um, obviously, the Bengals, a little sluggish to start the year. Not looking too great. Their playoff chances look in jeopardy, but they've been, like I mentioned before, they've been this bad the past couple of years because Burrow misses preseason. Maybe you let Burrow sit out the next two games, potentially. Uh, we'll, we'll see how the Bengals end up dealing with that situation uh, because you don't want to re-aggravate it and make it worse. Or he already re-aggravated it, I'm sorry. You don't want to make it worse and, and make it a longer injury. It's the beginning of the year. You'll be okay. That division is going to beat each other up. Um, why not just let him heal a couple more days? Honestly, he could have probably he should have probably set out the first two games of the season and come back here week three. Uh, but that's not how the Bengals decided to, you know, move forward with that injury. Um, but T. Higgins, who had a goose egg week one, he looked good for the Bengals. Eight catches, eighty nine yards, two touchdowns. But again, story was that Baltimore rushing attack. But um, yeah, they get it going. Gus Edwards, 62 yards touchdown on 10 carries. Uh, I said Lamar, 54 yards. You know, Lamar had a good day in the air as well. 237 yards, two touchdowns. I think this Bengals defense and offense, they're just so... I don't understand why they aren't completely prepared on both sides of the ball. Like, I understand the quarterback being hurt or missing games and not playing the preseason, a little rhythm, the rhythm's off, 
And I will I will say this, like the Bengals offense actually started looking good in the second half and they it looked like they were starting to get things moving, start starting to get in the rhythm and, and finally the Bengals offense that we're so used to seeing in that second half is um, probably the best they've looked all year. Um, but again, with Joe Burrow and that calf injury, will he miss time? That's up in the air. And if he's missing more time, that, that just all that momentum and, and all that progress is basically just going to be wiped out if he misses sometimes because, again, he's not going to be on the same page with his receivers and who knows. But I, I do like the Baltimore Ravens. Hot start this year, 2-0, looking really good. Uh, I Obviously, when Lamar's healthy, they win games. And with the weapons that they have, I mean, Zay Flowers already as a rookie, you know, back-to-back weeks over 50 yards. I mean, he had four catches, 62 yards. Um, he, he's looked phenomenal. Granted, yeah, one of those catches was a 52-yarder. But he, he's still making big plays. And he, he's he's a shifty guy. And OBJ going out with an ankle, uh, you know, it, it, was, it, it allowed Zay to step up in that OBJ role. And honestly, I think they'd be okay uh, if they didn't have OBJ because Zay Flowers is already playing better than I could have imagined uh, him for the start for the Baltimore Ravens. But again, this division is going to be tough. Uh, we'll get into the Monday night game between the Steelers and the Browns. Um, but yeah, this one, tightly contested. Uh, it looked like Baltimore was going to run away with it, but then, like I said, in the second half, that Bengals offense looked a little better, and, and they made it close at the end, only losing by three. Um, but yeah, a lot, lot I like for this upcoming week for both teams. Um, obviously, the Ravens probably an easier schedule, but again, I'll get into game picks on Saturday when, when we preview the Sunday games. But all in all, I loved what I saw from Baltimore Kind of started to like what I, I saw from Cincinnati. Uh, but, yeah, Cincinnati got to clean things up on the on the defensive side as well. Baltimore, I mean, hey, that defense, with the, as many question marks as there is in the secondary, uh, they, they played really well and, and they looked uh, good, uh, better than last week in, in my opinion. Or, I mean, they looked good last week against the Texans as well. But, again, it was the Texans. Uh, but you like to see that against a, a division opponent and a better team in Cincinnati. Second game I want to talk about on Sunday, the Chargers. I mentioned it last show, or probably the show before that. I think Brandon Saley is going to be first head coach fired. It's going to happen midseason. I felt like if they if they go 2-4, 2-5, he's fired. They're already 0-2. They lose to a Tennessee team who struggled against that Saints defense in Week 1. But Tannehill's able to throw the ball, move the ball. He looked hor- horrific week one. And the Chargers, I just don't understand with all that talent that they have that they are letting Tannehill go 20 for 24. And there was two deep shots that he, he completed as well. You just you can't have that happen. And it all falls on Staley. I, I, I He's going to be on the hot seat until he's not. And it, I just don't see him. He was already getting feisty with the media when asked if the loss to the Jaguars is, is you know, kind of the reason why they're off to a slow start. And he said it has nothing to do with that. So, I, I mean, again, like Herbert looks good. Like he looks like a number one guy, but 
again, you can't be losing to teams like Tennessee who have a question mark at, at quarterback in Tannehill. And, you know, they're kind of one-dimensional with just having to run with Henry all the time. I mean, 25 carries, uh, you know they're going to run the ball. And you just, I don't know. This game should have been a Chargers game. I know it was the East Coast trip. Uh, you just, this is a game that the Chargers, with, with the talent that they have on their roster, need to win. And they just aren't doing it. So I I wouldn't mind if Staley got fired. Now, I wanted him fired last year. He should have been fired after that Jacksonville debacle and that blown game in the playoffs. You just need to move on. And I guarantee you, if you get a guy in there, uh, I mean, the Chargers defense was a top 10 defense. The three seasons prior to Staley, and they haven't been better than 20th since he's been here. And they're dead last this year, which is says it all and backs up my point. Um, I just, I need to see him gone. I need to see Kellen Moore really take a hold of this team and be the interim coach. And let, let's see who they can get on the market as far as a defensive coordinator, because Staley just isn't it. And he's proven that he isn't it. Uh, he just proves it week in, week out. Moving on to somebody that, who I thought was going to be able to prove it this year, the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields, Again, that offensive line is horrific. He doesn't have the weapons that you would want, like a Baker Mayfield has. It, it, I think if Fields has the, the weapons Mayfield has, this looks different. But, yeah, that one really bad play and really uh, just, I don't know what you do, but Fields, that, that pick six that he threw, that was uh, he was going for the running back sc the screen pass, and the defensive lineman just read it like a book and just picked him off, uh, you know, inside the five-yard line for the Bears. Uh, this Bears team, I mean, we we knew it was going to be bad. They're still very much a rebuilding team. They have a lot of pieces that they need to go out and get offensively, defensively. So they're. I, I think last year with kind of fields being, you know, thrusted in finally as a full-time starter but more teams not still trying to learn learn his you know what he's good at what he's bad at and you could see like he still hasn't really developed as a thrower him processing it's like the Trey Lance like him processing information quickly isn't there uh, he missed a wide open guy for a touchdown it would have been uh, if he would have saw him open so it, it's a struggle I, I and it, it sucks because I want Fields to be a franchise guy for the next 10 years for the Bears and it just isn't happening and a lot of it is what's around him and you can't really blame him but a lot of it is the mental mistakes that he is still committing but again a lot of that is coaching as well so I was never a big fan of the hires there you know in Eberflus I thought they should have went somewhere else and uh, the, the defense is horrific as well giving up 171 yards to Mike Evans on six catches at that. Uh, it's just, it, it's tough to watch. And, and the Bears were such a good running team with David Montgomery. I, I, I don't know why they're not. Listen, they were they were bashed last year for not throwing the ball enough. And this year, I feel like it's they're not running the ball enough. But what are you supposed to do when you're depleted um, at every position compared to these other teams? You're just not, you don't stack up talent-wise to these other rosters. And yes, you should be able to stack up against the Tampa roster, but hey, Tampa still has some really good players on both sides of the ball that are all pro level. 
So that's something you can't say about the Chicago Bears. They, I don't think they have one all-pro player on their team um, that, that is offense or defense. So, yeah, I, I want to see... I don't know what what else you can ask for with this team. I, I just wish Fields was in a better situation. And this kind of goes to the Caleb Williams, uh, you know, coming out before the college football season started and said, hey, I, I'm, I don't want to play for a bad team. It sucks that, you know, it's out of our control. You know, we're, we're one of the top college athletes coming out in the draft and, and, the team that does the worst in the NFL, it's just not a good situation most of the time for these quarterbacks. And he wants, he, I think he should control his own destiny in Caleb Williams. I mentioned that before. And yeah, that's a little hint and tease to the bold prediction coming later um, this show. But back to the Bears, they're going to have a bad draft pick again. Will they go quarterback I mean, could Caleb Williams be the savior for Chicago? Who knows? Uh, but that that's all depends on, you know, if if Caleb Williams takes a look at this Bears roster and they don't sign big key guys that, that are impact guys in the offseason, I, I think he either stays another year and, and he'll do the same with Arizona or Caleb Williams, you know, says, I'm not going to play for these this team, this team, this team uh, and see where he gets drafted and if these teams end up trying to draft him um but yeah bears nothing really changed as far as you know the season outlook they're, again they're rebuilding and I, I think they got a long ways to go moving on to the niners and rams division game i believe that's now nine straight regular season matchups that the niners have beat the rams in uh this one was close i will say i did not see it being this close um, but, you know, Shannon still has his number. A win is a win. Uh, I loved what I saw from the defense. You know, but Puka Nakua is making a name this year already. You know, Kieran Williams, another good week, two good weeks in a row. So these Ram, the Rams have drafted well, it looks like, as, as far as getting guys to fit their system right away. Um, and, and yeah, I, I really like Nakua. He he is playing like a Cooper Cup. Fifteen catches, 147 yards. He's basically the only guy the Niners couldn't stop. Stafford, you know him being hurt basically all year last year. You forget how great he is as a quarterback. I mean, he was playing really well. Um, a couple interceptions on his stat line, but him processing the information and, and Wilkes, I I thought Stafford against the Blitz was just killing the Niners. Um, and, you know, that's what the Niners are going to be showing now with Wilkes as as their defensive coordinator is a lot of blitzing. And it cost, it just cost a couple drives for that Niners defense because Stafford was able to find the open guy and get the ball out before taking a hit or before taking a sack. And, um, yeah, I mean, Purdy, I thought, looked solid not his best game as a starter. Of course, missed a couple of throws. I, there was that uh, deep ball um, to a wide open receiver. You got to have those. But again, the Niners win. You can rely on that defense to make stops when you need to. You can re- rely on this offense. And, and McCaffrey, I mean, McCaffrey, are we 
going to put him in the MVP conversation uh, with how well he's started off the season, both, you know, games over 100 yards rushing. He's got a touchdown in each. I, I love it. And, and getting everybody involved, you know, George Kittle, yes, quiet in receiving, but what he does in the blocking game, you just want him healthy. Uh, to me, with all the talent, uh, uh, you know, between Ayuk, Debo, Jennings, uh, and, and Ronnie Bell, who I think is going to get some time here, he had a phenomenal preseason. He's one of my favorite uh, guys on the roster that might get a chance, you know, maybe fill that uh, gray role that we were expecting last year and the year before. Uh, but, yeah, Danny Gray just never really panned out. But I'm loving what I'm seeing from this offense. This should be the ball all over the place. Um, stick to the running game. You can see it that the Rams still struggle. And part of that is, listen, you run those zone run plays, you're tiring out uh, Aaron Donald and the pass rush and those defensive linemen, and you're able to grind them out and gain yards, get first downs, and end up long drive scoring touchdowns. So I don't know. I liked what I saw from the Niners. It's a division opponent. It's not going to be perfect. They basically won the game by, uh, you know, 10 points. The Rams kicked a field goal with, you know, zero time on the clock. Didn't really understand that, but hey, they covered the spread if you took uh, the Rams or if, you know, bet the spread on that game. But uh, I, I still think very much that the Niners dominate this series. Look at what they did to last week to a non-divisional opponent. I, I just chalk it up to a division game. It's going to look sloppy. It's going to be hard-nosed football, and it's going to be one in the trenches, and it, and it was. Um, so a lot I loved out of the Niners. I think they're just going to continue. As long as they're healthy, they're going to continue to look very dominant. And it's a short week this week going to New York. Um, but we'll get into that after I preview these Monday night games. And no better way to start with the first game of Monday night football. Kind of a snooze fest, right, between the Saints and the Panthers. We know this NFC South is going to be rough to watch. Some key injuries on the Panthers losing guys. I will say, though, I, I get it. It's it's Bryce Young. You, you played Bryce Young. And Desmond Ritter. So, yes, the Saints' defense has looked unbeatable, giving up 27 points in the two games. Let's just take a step back and, and let's see what they really do against a Seattle team who's really good offensively, but also coming up with Minnesota, Detroit, and Miami. Let, 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 these next four games, let, let's see how, you know, if this Saints team can still look that dominant. Uh, Bryce Young, a little rough out there. Looks like a rookie. I know there there's the stat that he has the least amount of yards per attempt in his first two games ever in NFL history. I think he'll get there. He's, it's a lot faster game. He, the talent that he has, he has Adam Thielen, who last year didn't look like the Adam Thielen we're used to seeing in Minnesota. Uh he looked decent, Adam Thielen, and yes, he he used to be the number one guy or, you know, 1A, 1B next to Stephon Diggs and Jefferson, but, I mean, that's really all he has. DJ Chark, who's battled injuries, isn't really a guy I would count on. Hayden Hurst, yes, he, he's a, a decent tight end, but he's not a number one really tight end, um, so Bryce Young's going to struggle. He's not going to look good. That offensive line isn't great either, gave up four sacks. Uh, so it's going to be really hard to judge Bryce Young this year. 
because he has it, it's almost like the Justin Fields situa- situation, except I, I do think Fields has a little bit, you know, slightly better receiver in, in tight end room, not by much. Uh, but you do have, you know, ironically enough, DJ Moore in the Bears room that used to be in Carolina. And I think if they don't trade DJ Moore, which I, I honestly thought was kind of, it was smart for the Bears, but dumb for the Panthers. If you know you're going Bryce Young, Yes, you had to give up DJ Moore to get that number one draft pick. Uh, it just now you have nobody to throw to for Young and 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 nobody to protect him. So really, what's what's the point? Um, so yeah, I, I thought the Panthers. You know they're going to struggle offensively. They have some decent defensive players, but again, more pieces needed. The Saints though, it they're two and zero. They're leading that division. I, it's, it's tied with Atlanta. I think. Uh, the Saints, they're definitely going to be a tough out in this division. I do think out of all the rosters, they have the best roster. They for sure have the best quarterback in the division. And even Derek Carr, listen, his first year here with New Orleans, new system, learning everything. He even said himself, it you know, it's it's easier to correct these mistakes when you're two and zero. And he's right, you know, they're winning these games and they still have things to figure out. Uh, but I think what they have figured out offensively, listen, Michael Thomas, it looks like he's getting back into things. Rashid Shahid, what a pickup from them, finding him. And, and you know, his impact last year was huge. He's already, he's making plays again, huge difference making plays already this year as well. Uh, and Crystal Olave, we know, is the number one guy and is the number one talent. Like, their roster offensively and defensively with the pass rush and, and you know, what they can do in coverage is pretty close to elite like they were are a close thing to a full roster like a San Francisco like a Dallas um that we have in this league and I honestly like think they're they're gonna be trouble in a wild card game against some people if if they can stay healthy as well so I I I thought the game Saints really kind of dominated throughout um some Big, you know, there was a big fumble, uh, strip sack or strip on, on Bryce Young when the Panthers were in the red zone, ready to score. I believe it was before the sec, uh, the half, uh, was gonna end. But you know, th- that's just what it is. The 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 Saints defense is big. Ben don't break and uh, limit you to field goals, and that's basically what they did up until the last drive of the game, basically, where you know they let up a garbage time touchdown to the Panthers, and you know the scores really. 20 to what was it 20 to 9 instead of the 20 to 17 so um yeah a lot a lot of good things from the saints and again the struggles are just going to continue for the panthers with the talent gap uh with their roster compared to the others uh second monday night game was more interesting uh afc north rivals browns playing the steelers in pittsburgh pittsburgh coming off that embarrassing loss against the niners week one I knew they were going to bounce back. I knew they were going to have a better chance at beating the Browns. Um, I, I loved Pittsburgh in this game. You know, it, it's always, you know, good rule of thumb. Team gets blowout, you know, the week prior uh, on a on a standalone game. I mean, it was a nationally broadcasted game. Uh, they, they do tend to play better the, the following week. The biggest news coming out of the game, though, Nick Chubb out for the season, horrific knee injury. A lot of speculation saying it's just as bad as the knee injury he faced in college uh, in Georgia. And Micah 
Minka, sorry, Minka Fitzpatrick hurt on that same exact play. Um, and he's, you know, behind TJ Watt as the anchor. But wow. I mean, TJ Watt just wreaks havoc on almost every single passing play. He, he's getting his hands up, you know, jumping, deflecting balls. He, he scooped and scored that f- fumble that uh, Highsmith, who another great defensive player that Pittsburgh has, caused. And, and you know, he picks it up. And then uh, also, you know, getting <laughs> to uh, Deshaun Watson. I mean, he had a, he, he had a sack, six sacks on the day for the Steelers. And, you know, even though Nick Chubb went out, the running game was still very much there for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they went for 198. 106 of those were Jerome Ford coming in after Nick Chubb. And that is one thing, right? Like Pittsburgh, I think people are kind of under underestimating both teams that they played week one and two as far as the rushing. You know, they gave up a lot to Christian McCaffrey, but the Niners are an elite probably top three running offense in the league. And same with the Browns. I would put the Browns in a top three running. Uh, they're, they're run-based. So I just think it, it, it's just luck of the draw, playing two elite run offenses in a row to start the season. I think Pittsburgh's going to be fine. They, they look sloppy. They're, they also played two of, the, two of the top defenses in the league. So I, they're going to look bad. They're not, they, of course, they haven't looked like they did in the preseason, you know, going, you know, looking that good with uh, pickings and, and uh, pick it into, in, in the preseason. You know, these, he's definitely struggled, but they had that long touchdown um, that, that, that they connected on and it really kind of lit a fire under them. It was a close game, 26 22. But, I, I think things are going to start be looking better for this Pittsburgh team offensively and defensively. I mean, look at their next two games, the Raiders and the Texans. I I am, I am, almost want to guarantee a full turnaround on both sides of the ball against these teams. Um, I, I just I, I think they're going to look a lot better in what we saw in the preseason these next two weeks than what they did the previous two weeks because, again, it, I, it does have to – you kind of have to put take into account the opponent and they played two of the best defenses in the league and two of the best running offenses in the league. Um, as far as Carolina, Watson actually looked better on a lot of these throws, at least the deep sideline throws that he connected on with, uh, Elijah Moore and then Amari Cooper, who was almost not supposed to play at all and wasn't going to ends up in the lineup. I always tell you, he, to me is the most underrated number one receiver in the league. Seven catches, 90 yards. He always g- makes those great possession plays uh, to you know get first downs in crucial moments. I think him and Watson, and then obviously having more in addition, more is is a is a nice number two, nice slot guy. Uh, I, I li- I'm I'm liking what I saw in the first two weeks from Cleveland. I I said halfway in the season, probably by by the bye or just midway point of the season, Deshaun Watson is going to look like what he did before all the legal trouble and him having to sit out, what was it, two and a half years. So um, I do fully expect this this team to get better, even with Chubb out. The offense, as long as the offensive line stays healthy, I don't see a major step back from the Cleveland run game. Um, as long as Stefanski is willing to stick with it, keep running it, get Watson 
more comfortable in this offense, more in a groove, and you're going to start seeing the accuracy pick up, I think, from Watson here in, in the next few weeks. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I liked what I saw from both teams uh, given the circumstances in an AFC North defensive battle for most of the game, not giving up much on both sides. Uh, I think, you know, both quarterbacks were going to struggle, and they did. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, the defense for the Steelers puts up 14 points. You had the pick six on the very first play, and then, like I said, the scoop and score from T.J. Watt. That is kind of what the AFC North football brand is. Is just we're going to defensively duke it out and whose defense is going to make those bigger plays. And last night it was Pittsburgh. But I think Pittsburgh's very much alive for the division title. Same with Cleveland. I This is most likely going to be the best division in football this year. I think the AFC East is going to take a step down. Um, they already kind of have. Uh, but yeah... I liked what I saw from both sides of the ball, um, and I expect, I, I think both teams, I expect uh, to win next week. Um, let's just say that, but uh, we'll wait till Saturday to get game picks, like I said. All right, moving on. Let's preview this Thursday night football game. A short week. You know, it was an abysmal start for the Giants against the Cardinals, who a lot of people are gonna are picking to be the worst team in the league. Yes, Cardinals start 0-2, but they were very much in the lead heavily. Uh, they had a 20-0 uh, lead against New York in the first half. So the Giants, took it took them six quarters to score their four first points of the season. Um, and you saw it. Daniel Jones was struggling. Couldn't get things going. Uh, but I don't know what Dable said at halftime, but I think this is the only reason why the Giants have a chance is because of Dable. But wow, he lit a fire under their asses. They ended up scoring 31 points in the in the second half, only giving up eight in the third quarter. So a 31-8 run um, to finish out the game and to take a 1-1, uh, to take the 1-1 record and beating Arizona. But... The, again, another key injury and a huge injury in for a running back in Saquon Barkley. Um, he definitely covers up a lot of Daniel Jones' warts, um, being an outlet guy and just defenses having to stack the box for run. And, and now that's not going to be happening. I mean, I think the Niners are going to be able to really keep a lock on this Giants offense. It is Thursday night football. It is a short week for both teams. Um, but at least New York is traveling to San Francisco. So that does benefit the Niners as the Niners, you know, this is their first home game of the season, but they were in LA, not very far from home. Um, I, I just, I think as as sloppy as these Thursday night football games tend to be, uh, and we, we saw it with Philly in Minnesota, like Philly did not look good last week and Kansas City did not look good week one. Uh, so it, it just tends to happen, right? And, you know, you kind of expect this to be a Niners blowout, but I wouldn't put it past just the coaching from Dable and it just being a Thursday night game that it, it ends up being close. I don't see a upset potential. Uh, I do think Niners are going to win this because, listen, I'm not a Daniel Jones guy. Everybody knows that. Daniel Jones is going to turn back into the pumpkin of Daniel Jones this season, and it's it's just Dable's gonna 
ride with him until next year. And next year, I think the Giants are going to get somebody in there who uh, can really impact and, and make winning plays and not turn the ball over and have make bad decisions. I, I think they can get somebody in there. So maybe the Giants and the Jets in my bold prediction later on, I, I, it would fit. Chicago, maybe in the bold prediction, but I, I don't think so. But uh, we'll get into that later. And then the Niners, I, I just stick what you're doing. Keep running the ball with McCaffrey. Keep getting the inside, you know, the passing plays. Uh, just seem to always be open, whether it's Jennings, whether it's Ayuk or Debo or, or Kittle, you know, just ground and pound and, you know, wear them down and keep that defense on the field. And then on the other end, keep our defense fresh. And with, with how dominant the defense has looked, I, I just, the receivers that the Jet Giants have, aren't any really big name guys that you're worried about. Uh, Darren Waller is probably the biggest name and the biggest worry, but I mean, he's Darren Waller. He, he hasn't really made an impact on a, on a team in, in quite a while. So I do fully expect the Niners to take and have control of this game throughout, whether it gets close later on, who knows if they take the gas or their foot off the pedal. Um, but I, I want to see Christian McCaffrey keep going. I want to see a little more Elijah Mitchell. Uh, the Niners had a you know 10-score lead. L let's get Elijah Mitchell in there for some touches. Uh, let's you know keep McCaffrey as fresh as possible. Yes, he, I mean he only had 20 carries in the run game and you know three, so he touched the ball 23 times. I, I would like it to stay at around 18 to 20 touches a game. Uh, just to be more efficient, and that, that means the Niners' offense is more efficient that way. Uh, but again, I mean, Purdy doing everything he needs to do to uh, put this team in position to win. Um, he's going to have a, a, an easier time, I think, uh, against this Giants defense um, who, you know, struggled against an Arizona offense with, with a lot of backups. Um, and the Niners tend to get off to hotter starts as well. But with that defense, they're not going to give up 31 points in the second half and blow a huge lead. I, I just don't foresee that happening unless crazy injuries happen um, at, at crucial positions. But I do want to toot my own horn. Diamador Lenore still looking phenomenal at, at corner. Uh, I just, man, that, that kid is just going to be a big time player. Um, I, you know, you would like to see them be a little more stingier in the past game as far as uh, Puka went, but it just was Puka. I mean, he, he just was able to get open, find the spots. Again, reminds you a little Cooper Cup. So imagine this offense when Cooper Cup comes back. I mean, will this be a game changer and will they start running, you know, these plays with both of these guys just finding the open spaces? You, you can't, cover both of them um but yeah I mean there was a huge play that there was miscommunication from Matthew Stafford and I believe it was 2-2 Atwell um I mean the Niners sat in the zone and 2-2 was supposed to turn up field and uh go towards the end zone it would have been wide open for a touchdown but you know he, he doesn't see it Stafford does Stafford throws it and I believe he ends up getting the um the uh uh, which call it the uh, ah, I brain brain burp right now. Uh, intentional grounding. 
There you go, because he sailed it over his head and he just sat in the zone and all that. But this Rams team, I mean, to start the year, a lot better than I had thought. But the Niners, first primetime game of the year, short week at home. Uh, I do expect them to still pull this one out. Uh, final score, I'll go San Francisco 32, Giants 21. How about that? Uh, that'll be my final prediction. And for my final prediction for Thursday night, let's move into my biggest bold prediction of the year. Now, I did make mention of it after week one with the Jets and Rodgers going down. This is what I believe. And I foresee this happening, and it would be phenomenal for the NFL if Caleb Williams ends up going out next year in the draft. And I'm glad that he made mention of him. Listen, I'm, I'm not going to play for a situation I don't want to play for. You say it before the season, so that way these teams who were planning on tanking for him second-guess it. And, you know, he called a shot in the beginning, beginning of the year. But I think next year we're going to see Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley in New York. Whether that's, or I'm sorry, uh, both of them with the Jets. Um, but I could see Caleb Williams going to the Giants if the Giants end up being bad, as bad as I think they would be. But I think Dable is going to win enough games as their coach. I mean, he did it last year, got him as a wild card team. Uh, but I do think that it would be Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams to the Jets next year. Maybe Chicago, but the thing is, the Jets roster is so stacked as it is and young, and getting Caleb Williams on a rookie deal in the first round, uh, and, and that you know a, a head coach who's offensive-minded and is familiar with Caleb, I just think that New York Jets team would be probably a division winner next year. You know, in the race with Miami and Buffalo, but that—that's my bold prediction. I think it's going to be Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley, first coach and uh, player duo, to go to the same team. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's going to be fun, and I'm hoping I'm going to try and speak that into existence. And finally, one last thing I wanted to talk about because this came out after the Rodgers injury. The NFLPA is now looking into. Grass fields for all stadiums. Now, why the fuck does it take Aaron Rodgers getting hurt after all these years, going back three years ago, four years ago with the Niners, you know, getting hurt? And that's, that's, I was on it, MetLife Stadium even before that because years prior guys were getting hurt and Saquon was getting hurt. Um, why did it take that? Like, this should have been in motion already, especially with all the complaints from players who hate playing on turf and they want to play on natural grass. And it just, you know, last night, which, you know, uh, Carolina, I, I noticed with um, Bryce, Bryce Young, like, he slid perfectly on turf. You know, he didn't really slide. He just kind of gave himself up and, and sat down. But these players, like, it's such a dangerous field condition for them to play on. I, I just, I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And it's and it's, it's really, it pisses me off that it takes Aaron Rodgers uh, for this thing to finally get talked about and, and this plan put in motion when this should have been put in motion uh, ever since that fucking stadium was built. And sorry for swearing, but it just, it pisses me, it, it pisses me off that much because this has been a thing with at least MetLife for sure. 
it's the worst stadium out there. And you got guys that are, you know, tearing Achilles, tearing ACLs out for years, you know? So I just, I hope it, it, it by next year, this shit is passed and all these games at MetLife, uh, you don't have a 50-50 or a 20-80 chance that somebody's going to blow out their knee or, um, you know, end up being done for the year. So, yeah, my little two cents on that. But to take you out on a good note, happy football. Week three coming up. Go Niners. Beat those Giants. And we'll see you on Saturday to recap the Thursday night game and Let's preview some Sunday. I know we didn't have some debt-free pick threes, so we'll roll over the two, uh, the two and one week one, and roll it over to week three. Let's keep this thing going, sixty-six percent for the year. We just got to keep hitting that groove. Um, and you know what sucks is the picks I had for this last Sunday were mighty juicy, and I think I, I yeah, I hit two out of the three that. I had predicted because I had taken the, the the Ravens with the points, the Packers again with the points, um, but I think I ended up losing, uh, uh, which I think the Niners because I had them blowing out uh, the Rams, but I would have actually covered if the Rams didn't kick that field goal. But anyway, that's that. We didn't get to say it, but Saturday, I'm going to push, 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 try, try, try so hard. Um, just things with having a second job, time constraints, not being able to record in the studio uh it just didn't line up last saturday but we're gonna get it to it this saturday i promise and have a good show but on that i'm mikey clutch thank you for listening to the final play and enjoy your week you have just tuned into the final play with mikey clutch on chicagolandsportsradio.com it's not just sports it's a way of life